and welcome back to another episode of What the Bleep Are They Talking About? The podcast where we help you understand exactly what they're talking about in the news today. I'm Jack, as always, and I'm here with Jennifer the Fabulous. I'm Jennifer the Fabulous today, and welcome back, everybody. And before we get started, make sure you like and subscribe, comment down below, and share this content with your friends and your enemies. And don't forget to do all of the social media stuff with all of the social media platforms. Do the liking, the subscribing, the following on social media. Not in real life. Don't follow people. It's weird. And in this story, we are going to make you believe in the Lord Almighty. Not really. That's a very bold claim. But this article is really cool. I saw this last night before I went to bed. And of course, as a result, I went to bed late. You always go to bed late. Yeah, that's so true. I don't really see how that's different. But okay. But a giant space rock, apparently, demolished an ancient Middle Eastern citizen and everyone in it, possibly inspiring the biblical story of Sodom. Citizen? Citizen what? You said a middle, ancient Middle Eastern citizen. Ah, well, a Middle Eastern city and all of the citizens within it. That makes more sense. So sorry for my confusion. I, th I don't know. I just thought this was really cool. So I'm not like super religious, but I always like to imagine that everything in the Bible can be explained by some form of natural occurrence. Oh, yeah. I mean, anything... I don't want to, I don't want to make the comparison like supernatural and things like that, but like mm -hmm. anything supernatural or like weird or just, you know, weird occurrences typically has like some sort of origin. Right. So, and yeah. it doesn't go against religion whatsoever because you can still say, well, God put in place these natural occurrences <laughs> to carry out whatever the, the story but is. But to actually see what might have been documented mm -hmm. is very interesting. Right. So, and I think I did see this headline and I don't know, it's probably a work. So I didn't read the full article. So I'm excited. Well, let's get into it now. So as the inhabitants of an ancient Middle Eastern city now called Tal El Hammam went about their daily business one day about 3,600 years ago, mm -hmm. they had no idea an unseen icy space rock was speeding towards them at about 38,000 miles per hour well how could they i know it's going too fast and coming from space yes flashing through the atmosphere the rock exploded into a massive fireball about 2.5 miles above the ground the blast was about 1000 times more powerful than the hiroshima atomic bomb the shocked city dwellers who Dared at it were blinded instantly. Air temperatures rapidly rose above 3,600 degrees Fahrenheit. Clothing and wood immediately burned, burst into flames. Swords, spears, mud bricks, and pottery began to melt. Almost immediately, the entire city was on fire. Wow. So if you're out at night stargazing and you see a shooting star, make a wish that it does not redirect itself towards earth that's not the wish i'm making on shooting stars that's the one i'm making now on 
Some seconds later, a massive shockwave smashed into the city. Oh, so it gets worse. Moving at about 740 miles per hour. I don't think anybody cared. They were all on fire. Well, the breeze would, you know, cool them off a little bit. And the tornado. Uh, it was the most powerful, uh, more powerful than the worst tornado ever no, recorded. More powerful than the, worst the deadly winds ripped through the city, demolishing every building. They it wasn't already on fire. Yeah, it's true. It wasn't already on fire. Uh, they sheared off the top 40 feet of the four-story palace and blew the jumble debris into the next valley. None of the 8,000 people or any animals within the city survived. Their bodies were torn apart and their bones blasted into small fragments. I have a little bit of trouble imagining that they actually had a four-story palace 3,600 years ago. Why not? I don't know. It just I don't. I just imagine people back then all in single-story huts or something. I believe it. Yeah. That that's what you don't believe about the story. That's the part. Yes. That's the part that gets I can you. believe. I can believe the icy space rock. Icy space rock. The atomic blast. Instant fire. Atomic blast. Um. But the four-story palace. Yeah. The architect, or the, yeah, the architecture, the architecture of, this, of the time, time I'm is, having trouble is what with. you're having difficulty with. Okay, so I'm clear. Uh, about a minute later, oh, okay. Oh wow, mm -hmm. uh, it keeps going. Fourteen miles to the west of Tal El Hammam, winds from the blast hit the biblical city of Jericho. Jericho's walls came tumbling down, and the city burned to the ground. Now, I did want to ask this: neither one of us are, are biblical scholars. Yeah. So, anyone out there who knows? I'm pretty sure, because I went to Bible school when I was little. I went to, what, Sunday school. And we learned all these stories and whatnot. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm pretty sure the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, where there, there was a city and, and it, it caught fire at the end. Because there were sinners there and, and God wanted to punish it because there were sinners. And, sure. it, and so he lit it on fire, which, fantastic. Um, taught them, I guess. Um, but I'm pretty sure that the story of Jericho did not happen at the same time. I'm asking you as if you know. I know you yeah, don't. Yeah, you know I don't. So, oh, yeah, right. So I'm asking the camera. Um, comment down below. Did they happen at the same time? Or did they or did they not? I mean, it makes sense if they did. But anyway. That... I wonder if this can be like a quick Google search. No, I Googled searched it. I don't oh, think you it did? is. Yeah, oh, they're, okay. doing, they're in different chapters of the Bible, I'm pretty sure. And mm -mm. I don't know. It all sounds like the climax of an edge-of-your-seat Hollywood disaster movie. How do we know that all of this actually happened near the Dead Sea in Jordan millennia ago? Getting answers required nearly 15 years of painstaking excavations by hundreds of people. Yeah, so if you're still with us and you're like, what the heck are they talking about? This is where they show their work, which is interesting. It also involved detailed analyses of excavated material by more than two dozen scientists in 10 states in the U.S., as well as Canada and the Czech Republic. When our group finally published the evidence, recently in the journal Scientific Reports, the 21 co-authors included archaeologists, geologists, geometrists, geo geochemists, and, and a lot of other really smart people who can pronounce their own titles. Years ago, according to all of these people, when archaeologists looked out over excavations of the ruined city, they could see a dark, roughly five-foot-thick jumbled layer of charcoal, ash, melted bricks, and melted pottery. So this is what the archaeologists saw. Mm -hmm. It was obvious that an intense firestorm had destroyed the city 
long ago. The dark band came to the to be called as the destruction layer. Okay. Which makes sense to me because you have geologists all the time. They come out and remember rock class. And and they would teach you about like the different layers uh, of like they they'd show you a picture of a cliff like the the Grand Canyons and then they'd show you the different lines in the cliff and they'd explain well this is when the Jurassic period was mm-hmm. and you're looking at this like tan line you're like oh okay, okay yeah sure that's the Jurassic period so I kind of trust that they they have an idea of what a dark band in the yeah in in, in the soil means I guess yeah no one was exactly sure what had happened but that layer wasn't caused by a volcano earthquake or warfare none of them are capable of melting metal mud bricks or pottery to figure out what could our groups use the online impact calculator to model scenarios that fit the evidence we've all used that right every single day built by impact experts this calculator allows researchers to estimate the many details of a cosmic impact event based on known impact events in nuclear detonations. It appears that the culprit at Tel El Haman was a small asteroid similar to the one that knocked down 80 million trees in Tungusta, Russia in 1908. How did they know it knocked down 80 million trees in 1908? They counted. I guess they had nothing else to do. Had to go pick them all up. They sent all the old men who pick up the sticks before they mow the lawns. Top them back over. <laughs> it would have been much. Uh, would have been a much smaller version of the giant miles-wide rock that pushed the dinosaurs into extinction 65 million years ago. And so they had their likely culprit. Now they needed proof of what happened that day. At the city. Their research revealed a remarkably broad array of evidence. At the site, there are finely fractured sand grains called shock quartz that only form at 725,000 pounds per square inch of pressure. The destruction layer also contains tiny diamonds, or diamondoids. I like that word. That, as the same name indicates are as hard as diamonds. Each one is smaller than a flu virus. How the heck did they find those? It appears that the wood and plants in the area were instantly turned into the diamond-like material by the fireball's high pressure and temperatures, because remember, all living matter is made of carbon, and when compressed, carbon can turn into diamonds. Mm -hmm. I say that as if I'm a scientist, but I'm not. That was very studious. Thank you. Uh, Mrs. Malcolmheimer, 7th grade science. Shout out. Uh, experiments with laboratory furnaces showed that the bubbled pottery and mud bricks at the city liquefied at temperatures above 2,700 degrees Fahrenheit. That's enough to melt an automobile within minutes. The destruction layer also contains tiny balls of melted material smaller to airborne dust particles called spherules. They are made of vaporized iron and sand that melt at about 2,900 degrees Fahrenheit. In addition, the surface of the pottery and melted glass are speckled with tiny melted metallic grains, including iridium, with a melting point of 4,400 degrees Fahrenheit, and zirconium, which melts at 2,800 degrees Fahrenheit. So essentially, 
They're identifying it was clearly all... really, really hot. Yeah, it was clearly really hot. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. As evidenced by all of this stuff that gets really, really hot. But they're what what are they saying? They're saying that lava, I'm guessing, or would fire not get, would yeah. not get that hot. No, it would have to be, I guess, the the blast caused the mm -hmm. pressure and the heat from I guess the fire with all of that pressure. I wish I was in this position just so I could suggest, well, maybe the sun moved really close to the earth that year. Just dove, dove right in there. The sun's hot. Very hot. Uh, together, all of this evidence shows that temperatures in the city rose higher than those of volcanoes, warfare, and normal city fires, as Jennifer and I have already established. Do you see how smart we are? We are amazing. The only natural process left is a cosmic impact or a very large microwave. Gonna go with their guess. Mm. Sorry. <laughs> the same evidence is found at known impact sites such as the Tungusta and the Chick the Chick Club the, the Chick Club crater, uh, created by the asteroid that triggered the dinosaur extinctions. As we repeat information again in this article, one remaining puzzle is why the city and over one hundred other area settlements were abandoned for several centuries after the devastation. Really. It may be that the high levels of salt deposited during the impact event made it impossible to grow crops. We're not certain yet, but we think the explosion may have vaporized or splashed toxic levels of dead sea salt, uh, oh, dead sea salt water across the valley. Without crops, no one could have lived in the valley for up to 600 years until the minimum rainfall in the desert-like climate washed the salt out of the fields i thought it might be because like we're literally still finding a layer of residue essentially mm -hmm. um that was caused by by that thing so obviously it's uninhabitable but that's just me and my simple mind so i mean i get what you're saying but also no because remember like if lava comes down and it burns the earth plants are more likely to survive there because it's like mineral yeah. rich and whatnot I get what you're going for, but... But it's not lava. It's, like... Oh, that's true. It's, it's an intergalactic it's... blast. Yeah. They they just spent, like, six paragraphs talking about how much hotter it was mm -hmm. than lava, so... Yeah, maybe it just, like, turned the, the Earth to, to glass for, uh, for a few centuries. It is possible that an oral description of the city's destruction may have been handed down for generations until it was recorded as the story of biblical Sodom. The Bible describes the devastation of an urban center near the Dead Sea. Stones and fire fell from the sky. Stones could could be the, the comet. Mm -hmm. Fire is obviously the fire. Obvious. <laughs> uh, more than one city was destroyed. Thick smoke rose from the fires, and city inhabitants were killed. Could this be the ancient eyewitness account? I don't see how. What do you mean? They just described, like, the exact same scenario in the exact same location. I mean, I guess something that big you could see from very, very far away. But I'm just like, didn't everybody freaking die? Well, I mean, he might have been on the edge of the blast. Like, his, his, he saw the blast coming, and then it kind of died he's out. He's coming his, back, his and he's blew like, back a little bit. Ooh, maybe I should turn around. Oh my gosh, remember that story? I don't know if you remember that story. But wasn't there a story about a, a woman in the Bible and she turned around and she turned to salt? 
Could that have been all of the salt from the Dead Sea, like, raining down on her and encasing Makes her in salt? perfect sense to me. We're not Bible scholars at all. <laughs> Let us reiterate that, <laughs> in case you weren't clear. One of us is going to get smote during this podcast. Probably. It's probably me. Um, if so, the destruction of Tal el-Haman may be the second oldest destruction of a human settlement by a cosmic impact after the village of Abu Harara in Syria about 12... I'm not even trying I'm not trying. the name. <laughs> about uh, 12,000 years ago. How do they know about that? I was, Good I was, guesses. I was looking up last night, like, when did human writing evolve? And it was something like 3,600 years ago or something like that. Oh, no, no, 3600 BC. Oh, okay. So I guess they would have had to keep that story fresh for about But this also says, importantly, it may be the first written record of such a catastrophic event. Oh, yeah, that's true. Oh, the... Um, the other one. The Sodom story, supposedly. Yes. The scary thing is, it m almost certainly won't be the last time a human city meets this fate. Well, Excellent. Um... Oh, gosh. Tungusta-sized airbursts such as those. Oh, is it just going to talk about the trees again? It's yeah. just going to talk about how this this could possibly happen. So Anyway, I thought this was seriously interesting because I see the connections. I don't see how you don't see the connections. No, I see the connections. Oh, okay, well. Yeah. No, I'm not arguing that I don't see the connections. I'm just sitting here like everyone died, so who's <laughs> writing this stuff down? There's always one survivor somehow. Hmm. Everything caught fire and then exploded. Maybe it was the... I can't remember the story, but there's a guy and his whole role in the story was he... You know, God wanted to kill everyone in the city because they were sinners. And his whole thing was, well, what if there's one righteous person who's not a sinner? Would you kill them too? And then so he went in and he got him and he brought him back out. And then that repeated. He said 10 people, then 100 people, and, and he got them all out. Whatever. Maybe okay. that was the person. Maybe. Sounds good. I just think it's entirely interesting. Or aliens. I mean, I, I know people like to discount the Bible and whatnot, like if you're not religious and stuff. But, like, I mean, there's still stories, and pro there's probably a grain of truth. Yeah, yeah, no, I don't doubt that I'm, I'm not, like, a big follower of religion and stuff I'm like not that. Either. But, I mean, I don't doubt that somebody wrote all this stuff down, and mm -hmm. it was obviously inspired by true events, just like all the ghost stories that we watch on TV. Mm -hmm. But... Mm -hmm. It it's the it's the miracle stuff that people have a an issue yeah with, yeah so. I mean that's a little out there I mean a miracle versus a coincidence yeah yeah I mean but... back then maybe it was a miracle because there was no other explanation based on the knowledge of the time yeah so I don't know I don't doubt that it was based on something that actually happened mm -hmm. but and this could go for any religion yeah right absolutely. Anyway. I had something I was going to say. Sorry. I did this in the last video. I was like, oh, I had something really good. And then I gave you a second and came back. Hmm. I don't think it's coming. We could just... No. No. Well, that's okay. It's so let forever. us know in the comments if you think this is the inspiration or the event that is mentioned in the Bible. The story of sodom right so. 
Yeah, place. Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah. I don't know, are they two different cities, or they're one city, or... Yeah. You're asking the wrong person, again. So, mm -hmm. um, so yeah, let us know down in the comments what you think. Don't forget to do all of the all of the things. I got it. You, he remembered, right okay. Right in the nick of time. So I was thinking about this last night. So, you know, people like to say that, you know, oh, what if these religious texts, whether it be the Bible, the Quran, or whatever, what if they're just, like, made-up stories? And then I started thinking, well, back in the day, how hard was it to come by, I don't know, rocks that you had to write on, or papyrus, or even paper, or whatever the heck they were using? It's not like that's easy to come by. Yeah. So why would you waste You're not just, it? like, making stuff up. Right. Why it's not would... like the internet where you can just, like, shitpost. Right. So why would you waste that material to just write a fake story? I yeah. Know. Yeah. I mean, of course, you, you get the problem of, this was written, I don't know. 4,000 years ago. And my thought it's gonna is... It's going to be translated. It's going to be passed down. It's probably going to change names. That's what I was going to say. Like, my thought is, is, like, maybe somebody witnessed this event, was like, holy crap, mm -hmm. wrote it down, and then it got passed on to their son, who was like, and then this giant fireball just appeared out of nowhere, and then it got passed down to his kids, and he would, his kids were like, and then God sent this giant fireball down. Because let's be real. Everyone out there who's a writer and has had to try has tried to get something published knows that there's an editor whose job it is to is to make that thing you wrote easier to read and more exciting and sound better. Yeah, one hundred percent. So it's just like, well, okay. Mm. There's going to be at least one person down the line there. Fireball, cool. Yeah, but what if it was a fireball and an explosion and it was because of this and yeah and was, like they were just gonna keep one-upping each other basically like mm -hmm. well you had a fireball i had six cities explode in the wake so. and now they had a hundred cities and okay. we have a hundred cities explode in the wake so so this just i think this really hones in on the very important issue at hand and again i think we need to make this a policy issue we make everything we come up with on this podcast a policy issue Time machines. Why were those not already a policy issue? That should be number one on the website. I'm not going to support you anymore because they were not previously on the website. So congratulations. I'm sorry I messed up. If you, you did. If you had a time machine, you could solve all of these problems. Oh, but don't all time travel movies show us that that is literally not the case because you're going to go back and you're going to be like, I just, I just want to observe. I just want to watch. I'm just going to see like what really happened. And then you mm -hmm. step on a plant or a bug mm -hmm. and all of a sudden the world doesn't explode. Mm -hmm. And there's, my mom just got finished reading a time travel mm -hmm. book and she was talking about all this stuff. Like they didn't kill Hitler and then they didn't do something else. And it was, yeah, it was bad. So I want our competition in our congressional race to get ready to clip this out of context. Are you guys ready? Okay, perfect. What if it is all, all those movies and all those books, what if, get ready guys, it is a government conspiracy to persuade the public that traveling back in time will cause these adverse events in the future when in reality they already have time machines and they know it won't but they don't want anyone else to try so they're anti-time travel propaganda is what you're saying yes that is exactly what i'm trying put in place by the time travelers 
Well, that would make make perfect sense. They went back in time to write those books. And get the credit. Mm. Did you guys clip that? Perfect. Excellent. That will be wonderful to see on the news. And don't forget the Boy Scouts are going to start being guards at Guantanamo Bay. Yes. Check out our last video for that theory or proposal. Mm -hmm. And again, clip everything out of context because that's what we do here. And like and subscribe, comment down below, do all the things we said about five minutes ago, and we will see you in the next episode. Bye, everybody.